Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail Visual Arts Podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, um, 2D artist, illustrator, graphic designer. Um, and today we're going to be talking about networking and social media, which is part of networking. Well, you got a couple of fun news articles we should, should probably talk about a little bit. Yeah. We talked about this before we started recording. But. Yeah, so what we were, I think we're going to try to do is... Um, to like comment on some news stories that have to do with the art world and, and maybe some opinion pieces sometimes and just kind of open each show with something like that. Uh, we might not always do it, but something just to, to start the show off. And so the, the one I thought that would be interesting for this, this week would be a, um, an article I found, which was an opinion piece, and it's called yeah. Creativity is a Muscle, Not a Skill, hmm. and Here's How to Build Yours. And I thought I'd just read a seg- segment of it, and then we can talk about it and give, sure. give our opinion. So this person writes, I believe creativity is a muscle, not a skill. That is, you get more creative by building a practice of being creative. It's not a thing you either are or not. And then it's, let's see, I'll skip that part. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it says, I believe that's also true of athleticism. I was told my entire childhood that I was not athletic, so I didn't try to be. Then in my 20s, I decided to try. And what do you know? I ran three marathons, climbed Kilimanjaro, learned to ski black diamonds, etc. We were all creative as children. We invented friends, wrote stories, drew monsters and flowers and families on any surface we could find, and many of us growing up in the 80s and 90s learned to entertain ourselves for hours on road trips or lazy Sunday afternoons before smartphones and other technology came along. Yet, as we grew up and began to focus our time and attention on a career, much of that creativity fell to the side unless we chose careers in the arts. And I define that broadly, storytelling, design, performance of all kinds, etc. We probably don't get to exercise this muscle on a daily basis. And then they go on to describe like ways to incorporate, you know, exercising that muscle on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was uh, definitely an interesting opinion. And and I tend to agree for the most part. I want to get your thoughts first, though. Yeah. I agree for the most part. Uh, I do believe in pencil mileage. The more, yeah. the more you have contact with that paper, pencil to paper, uh, the more skills you will develop and you will improve, no matter how naturally gifted you may be. On that note, I think there is some nature involved. There, there has to be some nature involved, I think. Um, but probably not as much as actually having an interest and in putting pencil to paper. Uh, like what you said, kids are all artists. You know, you go into a kindergarten classroom and you ask, you ask the class, who here is an artist? You see everyone's hand raised up. Yeah, of course. But every grade after that, less and less hands get raised to a point where no hands are being raised. And I, I kind of, I can relate to that. Yeah. I always loved art. I always thought I was an artist. And then there was a point in my life, middle school, around then, where I, I didn't know if I was an artist. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have raised my hand. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I never thought of it like that. But it's, it's a good, good way to put it. And I guess it's kind of like the nature-nurture argument. Like, it probably is a little bit of both. What did you think of her? I think it was a woman. I can't remember the name of the person that wrote that. I should have wrote written that down but what did you think of her comparison to athleticism does that hold up i think it holds up 
completely. Yeah. We're, I, do we're, think, I do think creativity is a muscle. Yeah, I think I agree. And I, and I agree with that comparison because it is still a little bit of skill. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, I don't think everybody could make it to the NBA, for instance. Right. However, I think everybody could be pretty decent at basketball if they practiced enough. True. And so there is definitely skill needed to get to that level. And so maybe to be like an actual professional artist making money, yeah, you, you do have to have some skill. So is that where the little bit of nature may th- be thrown in when yes. it gets to that high level? Yeah, I think so. But, but for what she was saying, she was just talking about, because a lot of people, they just say, oh, I'm not, I don't have a creative bone in my body. So they're not talking about like, I couldn't be a professional artist. They just don't think they're creative at all. Right, but how how often do you go to creative gyms? You know, well that's that's <laughs> what she's trying to get at. Like yeah. you can do your own creative workout at home right. by like you know doing if you did like five minutes of free writing in the morning every morning. I can never have a six pack abs. <laughs> like well, because I never do. Yeah, any ab crunches. <laughs> well, that's it. Like you could you could actually everyone could, <laughs> but yeah, do you want to put the time in? Right. So I think. I think that we're both kind of on the same page with this. It's just like we agree for the most part. You have to exercise that muscle. Yeah. And at the same time, like to get to a certain level, it does. You need some skill involved. There's some talent at that. Do you think there are ever cases where you, where it's the opposite? What do you mean by that? Like, like, uh, are there any cases where creativity isn't a muscle and it's just totally inherent? I think there's probably I think there definitely are probably some people. I think it it might be rare where they are just creative from the get-go and they don't even like they could just not create anything for a couple of years and then come back right into it no problem. I I think that's rare though. I think it's only with children, like really young children who haven't yeah. been exposed to things. I think that's the only time there's actually pure or it might not be pure creativity or pure unadulterated creativity, but it's the closest you're going to get. Yeah, what do you think? But it I is think a- everyone's going to have the same level there, too. Yeah, I think so. What, what do you think it is about children that, um, that makes them so creative? Uh, I think it's because they're, they're sponges at that point. They're, they're trying to absorb absolutely everything they're seeing. Yeah. They're trying to make sense of everything around them sounds visual everything's brand new and so you have to soak up everything like a sponge as a creative now i have to do exercises to remind myself to soak things up yeah there's so many things i'll disregard uh or not think about i think of uh creatively about where i have to force myself to get past these walls that i've uh learned to yeah, I think that having being like a sponge like that definitely helps. I was also thinking maybe um, just the uh, lack of when you're that young, you have no self awareness, and so they're not True. trying to impress any, or they're not worried that the thing that they create is going to be embarrassing and people are going to make fun of it. Yes. And now, when you get older, it's like maybe you don't want to draw and put it out there in the world for people to see because you don't want the negative feedback. Right. True. And, I totally agree with that. So I think probably it's, it's a like a point. culmination of just they're right at the right spot in life where they don't have self-awareness. They're absorbing things. They're learning all sorts of new things. Right. Fearless. Yeah. And then as you get older, you gain self-awareness and you stop absorbing things and learning and 
tend to be more worried about what other people think. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was an uh, interesting article anyway. Yeah. What was the other article? You, you brought two. Yeah, well, we can do that next week. It's about, oh, okay. um, it's about a um, graffiti artist that just got into a little bit of hot water. Uh, and so that'll be a tease for next time. Ooh, okay, sounds good. Uh, yeah. So, so how do we networking? segue this? We're gonna, we want to do networking today. Yeah. Um, and so... I'm kind of all-encompassing from digital networking, social, net, social media networking, yeah. face-to-face stuff. Um, let's... Can we yeah, start there? Can we start with face to face? We can and start re- with face to face. Yeah. Okay. And the reason I want to start there is because, um, so you're you're older than me. You or no, you're not older than me, but I'm older. But you graduated before me. I said yeah. that wrong. Okay. Yeah. And so I remember when I was at Mecca, you came in to talk to my class, mm-hmm. and um, it you you might have, how long had you been grad had had you been out of school at that point? Uh, maybe a couple years. Four, two to four years. Okay. Know. So you had been out a few years and you were talking to us about like that transition from school into like trying to make a living with it. And you talked about some of the challenges you had, um, but you brought up like an interesting networking group that you had been a part of. Yeah. And it w- and it really, w- it made me like curious because I had never even thought of something like that. So can you talk about that? Um, I think you're, I think I know you're talking about, uh, it was called, the round table, this is what this one was called. But this networking group was kind of a curated group where um you only had one of a kind of, of each person in it. So uh Yeah. I would be the only artist or illustrator in the group. Uh or illustrator I should say. Uh and then there was other people like lawyers, um Yeah, this is what I was talking small about. business owners, uh medical practice, massage therapists, you know, it, it, the list kind of just went on. So it was like a diverse mix of people. Crazy diverse mix of people. Um, a group of people who I would most likely never run into in any capacity unless it was chance at like a bar. Right. You it know, like just I just like happened a... to sit next to him or happened to be a friend of a friend, you know. How, how did you find out about the group? Uh, I was lucky enough right out of college. Uh, I found some work through uh, the Mecca job board, and the guy I was doing work for encouraged me to participate in this. Yeah, uh, this group. So he already. So he was like. He was starting it. He was yeah. He was part of it. He was he was digging it. He knew it. There was an artist space to fill because there wasn't one, and uh, yeah. it really it really pushed me out of my comfort zone and uh how often do you guys meet i've stopped going the past couple of years how often when you were going how often i should go i should go back um it was i remember if it was bi-weekly i think it was bi-weekly and it was the sole purpose of it was just network just networking and so every every time you go there you're giving your elevator pitch of what you do um so soon enough you're hearing everyone's elevator elevator pitch over and over and over again so now yeah. you, now you're able to pitch these people for them right so that's that's what i'm that's in, what i in these was, totally diverse groups yeah so now you run into some other person somewhere 
and they're like, or a friend of yours is like, oh, I, I'm going to have to hire a lawyer or a plumber. And you're like, I know a plumber. I can hook you up. Yeah. Which is the beauty of it. And I know when, a guy. Yeah. To get, you get to the point where you're the guy that knows a guy. Yeah. Which yeah. is good, though, because then those other people are going to run into other lawyers that need um, a logo designed. Right. And they're, you're the only artist they know. Right. You know, and so. And they might not even know your work very well, but because they know you, they're going to reference you or yeah. refer you. Yes. And that's like a thing that people don't maybe think about as much like people want to hire people they know or friends of people they know personally personally more than just finding if they can find someone that is connected to them in some way to hire versus some random stranger they're gonna probably hire the person that has a connection to them right um like even i think yeah doctors or lawyers you don't know how good they actually are you just know your friend knows this this person yeah and that's like good enough right that's good enough so um, what would you say to people out there, like, because you happen to stumble across this, but I wouldn't even know where to start to find a group like that. Do you think that there's like... I, I, I know it's similar to a national organization called BMI. <laughs> oh, okay. I know who that is. I've heard of them. And it's very much a similar concept. Um, they might allow overlap, but it is a pay-in thing, and there's yeah. hundreds of dollars to be a member. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of a forced, like you're a forced networking thing where you're, you're, you're supposed to find so many referrals for your pe- people in your group every week. And so it's very active. It's active there. It's like highly active. I hear it. I hear it's worth it for a lot of people. It sounds but, like it. Cause the goal is to try to help others find work. Yeah. And, I, I haven't experienced it yet or tried it because I don't know why. I think I think the money thing, the buy-in is what scared me off. But even if it's not a group that's like um, geared specifically for networking and helping each other out, like I know when I was in Los Angeles, I went to like an Ivy group, which was all Ivy League um, graduates, mm-hmm. and they happen to have they have like these get-togethers every every week or bi-weekly in big cities all over the U.S. and they do like museum events and they do dinners and they do book readings and i would i happened to go because they did a a gallery event that i was the artist and so i did a little bit of speaking for them and then they got in like groups and they discussed the art and they Mm -hmm. had like projects that they did but the point is any type of a group like that where you're networking with other people if you can find in your local area these people and i was talking to some of them of course i don't live in los angeles but um, and I was saying, is it the same people every time that come? And in that particular one, they said, no, I see different people all the time. So I'm meeting new people like constantly. Yeah. And so and another another name for these kind of groups, uh, cities tend to have chambers like Port- Portland Chambers, uh, okay. of some small businesses, and they'll meet a lot. They'll have a, they'll have events. They'll have open events, too. And again, you, as an artist, treat yourself as a business. That's, this includes you. Yeah. And these businesses need need creative work were were the people that at the group you went to i'm curious were the people that were involved in it mostly like freelance type workers um or or small small business small business okay most of them were under 100 employees type of a thing yeah and as few as one right but it wasn't like the owner of Walmart there saying like, hey, tell your friends to shop at Walmart. Right. So <laughs> like it was like people that were... It's more local focused, yeah, of course. I think. 
So but if you can a, get it's in- such a great place to start. And uh, I believe in the whole stay local thing too, you know? Yeah, for sure. I just thought that when you came in and talked about it, it was a really interesting way to network. Um, and it's not something that I think a lot of people, maybe artists are not as social as other people. And so that can be intimidating. Oh, yeah. It's so intimidating. <laughs> At first, but I'm, I mean, you probably got, once you get to you know learn, the people. Right, you learn, you learn what works, what doesn't. Uh, what rolls off the tongue easily, but you have right. to explain more. So like, stop saying those things. You know, sometimes saying, I'm an illustrator and a graphic designer, not everyone knows what they do. So it's like, okay, right. I can help you with your creative content for social media or yeah, really distill it down so anyone could understand what it is you're actually trying to pitch. Uh, I do graphic recording on the side. That's an easier pitch. Um, no one knows really what graphic recording is, but I'll distill it down to, well, it's like doodle making doodle notes of a presentation. Oh, that I yeah, I see what you're saying, and and so you're like, because a lot of times you're speaking with other artists and they kind of know the lingo, but talking to like an average person, they may not even know what an illustrator does. Right. Like you, you say I'm an illustrator, and they're like, okay, what is that? Or what? what do you do? Like you actually get work doing that. So you have to learn when you're networking like this, you have to learn how to describe your work in terms that anyone can understand and actually know what you do. Right. Cause right. if they, if you just say, I'm, I'm an illustrator right. then they maybe won't recommend you to a friend cause they don't even really know what you do. Right. But so they have to actually know what that means. Right. Like I draw for a living. What do you even draw? Yeah. <laughs> I and, draw cartoons. Yeah. And that can what mean, the heck does that even mean? <laughs> And of course, the illustrators, that can mean anything depending on the illustrator. Right. Some people just do children's books. Some never you do children's books. You draw anime or something like that? Yeah. No. Yeah, no. It, it can get a little frustrating describing what you do to people, but yeah, interesting. So that's like kind of in person. Yeah, but I'm like I'm part of other groups too. Uh, Society of Illustrators is a great group. Right. Um, SCBWI, uh, that's... Uh, the group for children's book writers and illustrators society of children's book writers. and a lot of what it goes. right and a lot of those places that you're talking about have um conferences and like mm-hmm. in-person meetups but they also have online forums that you can talk to other people and and so they offer different forms of networking right and there's some some of these are small buy-ins to yearly subscriptions you know yeah. 40 to 100 bucks or something yeah some of them um, have free subscriptions too that are they're not as they don't offer you as much of the, the um, access yeah um some other local groups aiga there's always chapters of that throughout yeah. throughout the, the states uh join join that they always they'll your chap your local chapters will typically have meetups and stuff too right and that's great as an illustrator i like to go to places where graphic designers are and advertisers are and motion graphics are yep because those those are the people who are going to give me jobs in the future right or even think to give me a job so you want to you want to rub elbows with the people who are going to actually be in control of giving work away um and then there's a local ad and design uh group called Made, Made Ad and Design, uh that I'm a part of. 
in Portland, Maine. Is it, so then you're rubbing elbows with the advertising community. Is that one of like a national one and you're part of the local or is that just local? It's just local. Like, okay. It's but just Maine. Yeah. So you just have to do your research if you're out there like and you don't live in this area. There's there's going to be ways to network no matter where you live. Meetup.com, yeah. I, I think it's called. There's meetups all the time. Yeah. Where you just type in your location, you could find you could find stuff all the time. Yeah, and so you may have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone for you to do that type of thing. Definitely do. Definitely do, especially as an artist. Yeah. That's, so that, that's the one leg up you'll have on your competition, you know. You're right, because most artists don't want to do that. And so, and, and in-person networking is like, you know, people just, they fear it. It's, oh, yeah. it's so uncomfortable. And it's, I, I'll it's be honest. It's still uncomfortable for me. Yeah. But you're like, you're, you're right. You're going to have a leg it. up. Yeah. Because people will see your face and know you're the illustrator in this area. Right. Or uh, Illustration Institute in this area is a big one. Yep. Uh, That's a great one. And so whenever you see these events, it's so important to show up and show your face because then, then you become top of mind for everyone, even if you didn't talk to people. You just, they become recognizable. Oh, he's the guy that always shows up to the thing. Yeah. The art openings um, just show up. And illust- so Illustration Institute, really, they do like um, lectures with different illustrators will come in and usually the crowd it draws in are other illustrators and other artists. Yeah. And so you may think like, well, I'm not really going to get any work from that. Cause you know, they, they're looking for work too. So, and you probably won't, but, but you never know too. Like sometimes they're too busy to take a job or a job comes in that they don't, it just doesn't fit their style and yeah. they recommend you. So you still got to build your community, right? And yeah. and sometimes you get to a point where you're, or a comfort point with fellow illustrators that you admire, right. and you can have that critique group. You know, you, you make that really strong critique group that's going to stay with you for years. Yep. And that that's worth its that's worth its weight in gold. I, I don't, can't even. Yeah, or you can't put a, a price tag on that. It's invaluable. Yeah. So what, let's segue into um, another type of networking. So we've done, we've talked. Social in, media. I think social media is a good place to go next. Yeah. Um, which is, so when I think of networking, that's the one that I think of the most just because it's like the most pre- prevalent one right now. Yeah. And thankfully you don't have to push yourself maybe as far out of your comfort zone with social media because you can do it from the comfort of your toilet bowl. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, your bed or whatever. And so... In, to, in my experience, it has been the most effective networking for me. Mm-hmm. But I also know that there's artists that found that in-person networking has been more effective. Yeah, I think in-person has been more effective for me. But I was, I was kind of late to the the social media train, and that's probably one of my bigger regrets. And I try to teach my students how important that is now to. Get started. Get the ball rolling soon. Now, like before you graduate, that—that's something that you can rely on if it gets, if you if you build it. What are your thoughts on that? So you have these students that are pretty, well, they're still learning, right? So that their art's probably nowhere near as good as it's going to get in their career. Um, and so they're posting online their their work and their in their social media. 
And sometimes when you post things online, yeah. it's there forever. I yeah, I keep seeing stuff stuff popping up when I search my name right from yeah college. Me too. I'm trying to find it and and so I can't track and, it down and take it down. Yeah. yeah. In some cases, I I regret posting certain things. So I I know for instance I posted one piece that I did, and it was um, we had a project where we had to um, remake. When, like an, we pick an illustration that we love from mm. an illustrator we love and recreate that piece in our own oh. style, kind of. Oh, okay, not a master study. It's not a master study. You're 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 doing your own thing on it. Okay. And so I had fun with it. I did it. Um, I did a piece that was um, a David Hughes piece that I loved, and I posted it online after with the comment like this project. I you know we had to do. I explained the project, and. Now, like I'll, I've seen it uh, multiple places online without the description, Ugh. and so people might think that I just like totally ripped that person's um, illustration off because it's so similar. And so that I think when you're if you're going to um, put work online, make sure that you're not doing anything that is too similar to other people or that's like a study of someone else's work, even if you describe it. It, you never know. It could show up anywhere without that description, and then it looks bad on you. It could look bad on you. So I, I think that that's something that people need to be cautious of. Yeah, I would have never been cautious of that. I, yeah, until you said that. Well, I just, I've actually, I had a message about it. Someone messaged me and said, this is like, just like this other person. And I messaged him back. Yeah, it was a project we did. Hmm. And they were like, well, it doesn't say that under it. It was like on Pinterest. Yeah, I also have a pet peeve. Uh, I I was in av- advertising a lot, so I did a lot of Google image search for things, random things. So it got to a point where sometimes I would remember images, right? Of like what comes up when you type in duck, you know, bear, uh, whatever. And be careful about choosing reference images too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because there's a bunch of artists, even artists that I know, that have pretty popular work or stuff that's kind of getting traction but it's obviously reference from like key images that i even recognize yeah so if you do like a, a simple google search you're gonna find you do not want to use the first like oh, i'm gonna type in well that's what happened with like shepherd uh fairy is it fairy or fairly fairy, fairy. i think with he he used that huge um picture of obama that he probably got from a google search first and it ended up being like copyright infringement because the photographer had an issue with it and so you have to be very careful with reference work this is kind of going on in a different that's also interesting i always always thought presidents were open source photography or images but maybe it's only white house like sanctioned images that are open if if i'm being honest i'm like really surprised that that person that person sued just because it's like Obama has been taken. How many photographs of him exist from all every single angle? Right. And even that angle, there's probably probably hundreds of photos that are so similar to that. Right. So to call someone out on that is like pretty. I, I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Whenever I do portraits of people, I tend to try to use at least two different mm-hmm. um, images. And sometimes I'll use three, so I'm kind of maybe taking like the eyes from one and 
or was yeah. the nose in the mouth from you know I just think we because... mentioned this before too i I usually like getting videos too of the person whoever that may be oh and then like freeze framing them and, and getting then, different ones and then you kind of there's a lot more body mannerisms that happen yep. that say a lot about your personality and i think can add to the portrait the drawing yeah uh, basically if you're going to do do portraits just be really careful with the or any not even just portraits any any imagery that you find on google that's on the first search page of google is like how many artists do you think have used that thing for reference right so that's as far as referencing work you're going to be putting up. But but let's talk about networking. Back to networking. Yeah. yeah. Which is but it's part of networking it like is. what how you present yourself online. Yeah. And so with um social media, you really get to curate how you look online. You're you're building yourself a brand. Right. Maybe better than you can do in person because you're human, you're going to say stupid things and make mistakes and people get to know you and Maybe they don't like your personality, but online you can be who you want to be. Right. Right. And so. So I'm envious of your follower count and I want to know how, how you even got to that point. How, let's start from day one. You opened, you opened an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the heck did you do next? Um, I did a lot of. So I did a lot of active networking. In other words, I didn't just open the Instagram account and the Instagram account and start posting and like hoping people would just flock to my work. Mm-hmm. So in a, I would search for other artists that had similar feels or, or some similarities, and I would comment on their stuff. Hey, I like your work. And generally, um, you start doing that, and they're gonna eventually be like, Oh, I've seen this guy comment a few times. I'll check his page out. And so when I first started on Instagram, I was on Instagram, like commenting and liking and following people probably for like two to three hours every day. And so I was like actively networking, right? I wasn't just like, all right, I started an Instagram. I'm going to post a photo today, five minutes, you know, take five minutes and post it. And then next day I'll take five. I was like posting work constantly, but also networking and actively commenting on other people's stuff. Become obsessed. A little bit, but it was because I had a goal in mind. I was, I really wanted to build like a network Mm -hmm. and, um, I have people that, and even though I have a good, good amount of followers, I have people that I recognize that have been following me since almost the beginning that comment still. And, and so, and I feel like some of them are, have become almost like, even though I haven't met them in person, I feel like some of them have become friends. They've sent me boxes with photographs for my work or i had one person send me like a they make dolls for art and they made a doll of me it was like kind of kind of weird and creepy but then they yeah they actually and they they made one of my cat and then i sent a picture of my wife i said can you do can you make a doll of my wife too so i can have all three of them on my shelf (laughs) and they wouldn't accept payment what yeah i was like i'll pay you for it they're like no no i don't want any money i just love your work and i was so like you can build like real connections with people online. Hmm. And then when I went out to um, Los Angeles, so I'm, I live in Portland, Maine, you know, it's a five hour flight from Los Angeles. And I went out and did a show there and I posted on my Instagram about it. And I had people that drove like five, six hours from Arizona to go to just see, to see just, it. Yeah. They drove up just for the night 
just to see my show. I was so flattered. Because they were followers? They were followers of my work on Instagram. Whoa. And they had commissioned a piece from me like months before the show. And I didn't know they were going to come. And so it was just so, it was so nice to meet them in person. I had done work for them. And the fact that they drove up like that, it just shows that it was like a real connection that we had. Wow. And so, and, and they weren't the only people there that um, uh, came from Instagram. As Instagram followers that came to the gallery, they were probably the people that drove furthest. Yeah. Um, and so you don't discount people as just followers. Like they're real people. Yeah. Every person that's following you is a real person. Unless they're a bot. <laughs> Unless they're a bot. But, but most of them are real people. Right, I know what you're saying. And so, and, and I always, um, well, I can't say this anymore, but for the longest time, I always messaged every single person back when they messaged me. You should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get to the point where I don't, I try to, but it's hard sometimes. Hmm. Um, but, you, you know, I always try to leave thoughtful messages when people send me nice messages. Um, and when people comment, you know, unless it's, if it's just like cool or like an emoji, I don't always comment back. But if someone leaves me a thoughtful comment, I try to thank them or whatever. Um, and so I view it as more than just like, I don't know how to say it like more than just like a, we- a weird program that you're just putting your work into and then hitting a like button now. And then it, I view it as like, this is real connection with people. Yeah. That's a great way of viewing it. It's too, it's very easy to become a program that it's just a like, like button game and yeah, scrolling through mindlessly. I find myself doing that all the time. Yeah. And people don't, people have a, a lot of people have become kind of, hardened to social media where they don't even like it and they feel like they're addicted to it in some ways so they kind of resent it oh like liking it is too much of an effort now they're just looking sometimes scrolling real fast yeah and and so like they don't some people don't even like that they're on instagram but they they can't help it because they feel like they'll miss you know fear of missing out type thing Mm -hmm. and so i try to provide content for people that is at least refreshing in some way i don't know but but so anyway, getting back to building the following, I think it really is just a matter of really connect, trying to connect with people and being active, right? Yeah. Like anything, you, you can't just build, for instance, you can't just build a website with your art portfolio on it and hope people stumble across it. Right. It's never, they're never going to. Or like with actual networking face-to-face, you can't just show up and not talk to anybody. Yeah, and you can't just um, build a, a a Facebook or Instagram page and hope people stumble across it. You have right. to be active. Right. And, and um, then we should talk about this too. So we have you, everyone's seen this, the people that will post on other people's accounts. Hey, check my page out. Uh, right. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. Yeah. That is the opposite of what I'm talking about when I'm telling you to comment on other people's stuff. Yeah. Like you have to be genuine. People want, they don't like that. Yeah, they don't like. To when see have you ever like liked that page? <laughs> Never. <laughs> when have you even visit those pages? Right. I'm sometimes curious. I do visit, and I'm like, eh. It's never like. Why did you say that? I know. It's like you're begging for for followers, yeah. and people don't respond well to that. Yeah. It's like a hard sell, you know. Nobody responds. I some. I hope that it's just young kids, but. I don't know. I don't know either. I know. And then they're usually pretty like 
they are doing it on if they're doing it on one page that probably means that that they copy, copy and pasting that. that comment on a ton of pages and and then you go, a lot of times you go over to their account and they have a couple hundred followers which means that it's clearly not working or new yeah they they're either but sometimes i've seen it where they have a couple hundred followers and like 10, a couple hundred posts. posts right so that they have been at it for a while and so if you're doing the same thing and it over and over and it's not working like you got to change things up right yeah so that's i find that to be like the worst way to go about network or social media networking yeah last year i did probably a social media mistake i started following a lot of people like finding artists that i liked and then was following all the people that he was or he or she was following yeah Sometimes I'm just like mindlessly clicking follow, 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 follow to the point where I'd like get kicked off Instagram and like it. Oh, they say you can't do that anymore for a while. Well, I had that happen a lot at the beginning because I was following so many people. Now I'm having such a hard time unfollowing because it's it takes two, three times longer. Yeah, because you it says you really want to unfollow, right? Right. So it's 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 like extra step three like three clicks to the one click and. I yeah. should have never done that. No, but I think um, that is kind of how I grew my following too, is just by following a lot of other people. And with so, intent though, right? With intent, but the point is, I, that happened to me too a few times where I would follow a lot of people in one day and they would say like, you can't, that's cut off from you for 24 hours or whatever, right. however long they cut it off. Or you go to a certain hashtag and you're liking everything you see. Way too fast, way too many times. They think the, you're like in a, a boss. short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just cut you off. Uh, I feel like I have a racked up amount of demerits or something in this algorithm and it's slowly I know, digging they, my own grave. I know. You wonder how much they keep track of those things. Like, right. this person's right on the verge of losing their Instagram. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think it's, it's that serious. But um, now I noticed on your page you have like some series that you've done yeah and i think that's always a cool thing to do you get because you can get people like psyched up about what's going to be the next one in the series yeah and then there's also like hashtag um like inktober and those type of things where you can be involved in something that's inktober has been really big for me yeah past couple years i've done it and i've always gotten a lot of followers from that and so what is it to describe what inktober is for people that may not know inktober is a drawing prompt challenge every day is a different one word prompt and uh right. the whole community tries to draw something to that the, the idea is to, to be an in ink um but uh, that's been a loose definition i've i've even used it loosely more i i find it more of a way to just be creative and get the creative juices flowing so i i use the prompts and uh i just want to make work that i can use later too so I'm not just wasting my time. Yeah, so you're more focused on the prompt than the fact that you have to use just ink. Yeah. But so like, then, does digital, digital inking count? I think so. Oh, I've looked at Intober, um, the hashtag, and there's always like There's some debate about it. Yeah, but, but yeah, there's a lot of people up. that do it, a digital. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of digital. Yeah. Um, and so there's so many people involved in, in doing Inktober drawings, and then when you go to like search for the hashtag, all these different artists will come up in their work. 
And so that's a great thing to take advantage of because people are searching those hashtags and yeah. they're likely to run across your work. And you do get buried fast because there are a lot of people submitting these drawings. Yeah. But, but because there's so many people looking at it too, I think there's still a great benefit, especially if you stay active on that hashtag. Yeah. You know, like what you were saying. Um, so I, I would spend as, 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 uh, as I was doing the challenge, I would also be on these hashtags, um, commenting, liking, trying to be thoughtful. There was a lot of times where I would just be liking, 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 right. liking, and maybe get like one or two follows out of a hundred likes or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good rate. So I gotta just keep liking. Um, it's not a terrible rate. People, like, you don't realize how, um, like, if you get, if you get an account that has like a million followers to share a piece of your work, you're only likely to get like a hundred at the most a hundred new followers out of that. So they put your work in front of a million eyes or, or two million eyes, I guess everyone has two. Most people have two eyes <laughs> and then you get a hundred new followers. That seems like pathetic. Yeah. But, but the point is like you figure the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I guess it, it, to be effective, you just have to get in front of a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. And, and the odds will go up. Right. And then for every um, 1,000 people that like your work or follow your work, maybe one or two of them will get their wallets out and spend money on your work. Oof. So it's like... I was hoping, hoping it would be more like one out of 10 would get your, their wallets out or like one out of... Is it <laughs> higher, you think? One out of 100 maybe? I don't know what the what the exact number is. It's hard, and I'm sure it's different for every artist too. Probably. Um, I'm running my Kickstarter starting on Sunday, so I'll find out how it does. Yeah. I've done it before, and it's I've I've reached the goals before, but you know I always get really nervous. Like, what if this one's a bomb? Yeah. Tanks, but. Um, or if people are sick of supporting the same person. Right. Well, that's true too. But I I get like new people, hopefully, and then I'll get some of the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like, okay, so I have 120,000 followers and then maybe like a couple hundred people at the most will support a Kickstarter out of all that, you know? Wow. I think last time I had like 130 um, donations. Jeez. Which is really, but at that point, maybe I had half followers that I have now, but still like that's... Still, that's pretty low. Yeah, it's low. So you, you, you have you to... You got to put in a lot of work to yeah. get... To get to a point where you can be comfortable off of just your following. You do. And it's, and it's like not, um, you know, you have to like, it's a balance to you. You know, I don't want to put too many posts out that are like, here's my Etsy page. Here's my, you know, buy my stuff. It has to be like one out of every six or seven posts that, that are like that. And the rest just have to be like organic because people don't want to be sold to as much as they just want to see what you're working on. Yeah. So it's this really tricky balance, and I maybe I haven't even found it the right one yet, yeah. and I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but I mean, I don't spend money on advertising or anything, so maybe I could do better on my Kickstarters if I did. Yeah. But you know, and I also have like, unfortunately, a lot of other people that are selling my work at this point, which is like competing with my page. So it's like I really don't know how many people are actually getting their wallets out and spending it on my work because they could be spending it on my work but buying it from other people which is 
infuriating, right? Yeah. So it's like real for me to come up with some type of a number, like one out of 500 people will spend money that probably is, it would be impossible because I just don't know. Yeah. At least it would be nice to compare between Kickstarter campaigns. Like maybe you can remember or, or start documenting like how many followers you had or like how how yeah. much support you got with your first Kickstarter versus your second, third. Yeah. It definitely has gone up the two times. And then this third one, we'll see. Um, I'm hoping it goes up again, but it's like, I get nervous that it won't. And then who knows? Um, but you, you think know, this is a model you could keep up in the future? It's been working well for me, but it's only been a few years, but I really love the idea of like, you know, every year or every 18 months putting out a new book because mm-hmm. then it's like, I mean, I'm like creating my own project and I'm creating my own. I mean, we, we could do a whole podcast on this, but I'm like generating my own money yeah. without needing people to hire me because I'm putting out books. How big are your book runs? Um, well, they've gone up each time and I haven't, I, so like the what, first one was, was oh. just 500 books, yeah. which and it's out of print now. Um, and then the next one was a thousand. And so I think I'll probably do. Is the second one out of print? No, but it's, it's Put like. one aside from me. I don't think I have the second one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's running lower. Okay. Yeah. But I mean. Put one aside for me. Yeah. So I'll probably do like two, two or 3,000 books this next time. Ooh. Where are you going to keep them? I know. I think my, probably my parents' attic or something. Cause I, I don't have any storage, any more storage in my house. Is that. It's a lot of space. That's a lot of weight too. Like, yeah, you might need a storage locker. And um, I'm doing that insect book too. Right. But those are small, so they won't take up as much room. But the, the, I guess what you're saying is like, is this like a something I could continue with? Like, I don't know. Like, I was nervous doing the second crowdfunder. Like, people might be like, "Oh, I already helped you out once." Yeah. And so I'm interested too. We're kind of getting off track a little bit, but m- maybe this should be another podcast but um i'm gonna ask anyways <laughs> with with the amount of books increasing are your profit margins increasing or is it just adding more work no it's definitely helps like so per if you order 500 books it drops the per book yeah it drops per book so like you, you know with so for instance that insect book that i'm that i'm printing right now um Let's see, 250 copies of that book. It's a very small book, so that you'll, the price you'll see is cheap. So 250, um, if I ordered 250, it would have cost me about $1,500 mm-hmm. minus shipping. But for 500 of them, so double the amount of books was $1,700. So for $200 extra, I get twice as many books. Do you wish you did that before? Well, I just would have been a space problem. No, I, I did order the 500. That's what I'm saying. Oh. So I, I didn't bother with the 250 because it's like, why would I? Because then you're paying almost double per book. Right. But, but the, the point is, it's like, yeah, the more books you can order, definitely the better you're doing as far as per book cost. And then you can make more money. But you also don't want to order so many books that you can't sell either. Right. Because so now it, you're sitting on all this inventory. Yeah. And so you have to kind of figure it out. Um, I, I'll probably just print like, 2,000, 2,500 of this next book and just keep file in case I need to reorder it. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of stinks because reordering it is... costs more. It costs more than just ordering 5,000 of them to begin with or something. But it's, I think it's better at first to test, to test the market. 
Yeah. For it too. Or just keep it limited edition. Honestly, it would be nice if someone just like a publisher just said, Hey, we'd like to publish your next book. Then I won't have to worry about it. But yeah. at the same time, then I don't, I would get maybe a, an advance and some money from them. But are you actively looking for that? Not actively because I've been successful with putting out my own books with help from orders. Mm-hmm. And so I think because I haven't needed to do it that way. And nobody, you know, that's a cool thing. You don't have to have a publisher anymore. You have your own audience and you sell directly to them and you end up making more per book. Like if you have a publisher, they'll give you an amount, but they're going to end up making the lion's share of the profits. Yeah. If you can sell, if you can sell them, especially if you resell them, it's even better. But right. They bring so much other things to the table as far as marketing and Oh yeah, you'll sell way risk more. And, yeah. But now that I've sold like a certain amount of books, I I I haven't approached any publishers, so I probably could and talk to them and say, like I have proof that there's a market for a book, you know, because I've sold this many books so far and I haven't spent a penny on advertising. Mm-hmm. So with you with your you know with your, your help. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know. But it, let's say I never got a publisher, I would be. I think I'd be fine just continuing to do this model as mm-hmm. long as it worked. Um, and I I do a lot of artwork every day, so filling a book every year is not that challenging. You know, I, I figure I'm doing close to a thousand drawings a year, mm-hmm. right? That's so, so <laughs> yeah, this book that I'm doing now is is my thickest one. It's over 200 pages, and it's like you're inspiring me to put out more work, bud. <laughs> You should do a book of that that great series you did, like uh, Escaping Fate or something. Escape Fate. Escape yeah. Fate. I I really like. I was looking at some of those the other day, and there was a couple in particular that I really really liked. I'm trying to think of which ones they were, but it's like you know toast that is like not going. Escapes their fate from just being tall and standing above a toaster. Yeah. yeah. So there's some really great ones. I wish I could. There was two in particular. I'm like I gotta tell Joe these are great. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember which ones they were. I'll tell you later. Oh, great. <laughs> but that's a great series. If you haven't checked that out, definitely check that on Joe's page. It's like oh, thank a you. Yeah. great series of drawings. And then I saw, I was walking by, sorry to get off track, but I was walking by um, on Congress Street near the Starbucks area. Um, Broken Crow. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing like an exhibit there? Yeah, it's a friend's shop of mine. And uh, yeah, I was doing a solo show there uh, of a series I did for Inktober last year yep uh i did a series of comics yeah i saw that and uh it's called bat and bat and it's an anthropomorphized hat and an anthropomorphized bat and they're best buds and and uh so all the prompts uh all all the comics are based off are they once were they one panel comics i'm trying to remember oh they're between one and six panel comics. okay yeah yeah some of them are one some of I always love one panel comics because it's like you just got to get right to the yeah. point, like the far side or anything like that. So it's cr- it was very simplified, but it had its own challenges. It was very hard figuring out a, a quick narrative every day. Well, yeah, you have to come up with a new comics and think of day. consistency. And yeah, that was a great challenge. Yeah, but it ties in kind of what we spoke about earlier, like that creative muscle. Yeah. The more you come up with these concepts, the easier they become. Right. To concept or it's- to come up with. Yeah, so like with that, it was a great example of putting limitations on yourself too. Yeah, I'd say I could only use these characters in this style, and it has to fit in this generic, you know, very 
blank world. <laughs> there was not much going on in the background. Yeah. If anything. It's it's such a... I like that series, too, a lot. The escape bait and then that map. Simplicity map. is sometimes just as hard as crazy uh, detail. Well, they're more... You're, you're uh, creative, you're cre- said that weird. Your creative muscle is really being used for the concepts on those more than the, yeah. the drawing because you're you're drawing the same characters and and they're simplified drawing. So it's really about putting the time into like what what do I want these characters to do today? Right. Um, but yeah, it's great. So so um, what what other type of networking's networking do you do? I mean, we talked about social media and in person. Well, like, are you on LinkedIn? Do you have any luck on LinkedIn? I do. I'm on LinkedIn, but I know I don't use it. So I get invites occasionally, and I never accept them because I just don't use it. Is mm-hmm. that are people still using that? Do you think? I think so. I think it's actually pr- pretty robust. Um, huh. And you're, and so I, you're using it. I've I've been using it. Uh, I'm not active on it, really. Uh, but I do use it as my main s- source for like my resume and work history stuff um well that, that I'll, brings... I'll use that i'll use that to kind of dig in and try to do detective work on who's the editor at what place and at what publishing house or like uh try to find other people i want to connect with in my area that uh, i think would be good fits with or good partners with so it can be a good like search engine almost in some ways uh, yeah what, what now what I, what I wanted to ask is so i'm not using linkedin because i just don't I don't feel like I have the time to really put any energy into it. Would you? Do you think you should be on as many different social networks and groups as you possibly can, or should you pick a few and really focus on them? Because that's how I feel. I feel like picking a couple that you're really going to focus in on mm-hmm. and build actual strong relationships with people is better. Yeah, my my thought around this changed over time. Uh, right out of school, I thought it makes more sense to be everywhere because yeah. there's potential to be seen. There's more potential to be seen, period. But if you're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram... But now it's getting to a point where if you're not being active on it, you won't right. be seen. That's how I feel. Yeah, you and people don't care. Like if you're just... So if you post to Instagram, it will let you also post that to Facebook. But if you're never going on Facebook to check the comments and inter- interact with people, it's pointless. Right. So... It, I'll automatically have things go into my Facebook. Uh, but I just don't have a lot of audience seeing it on, on Facebook. I, I'll, I'll get a handful of likes, um, some comments, which, which I'll still respond to, but it's not like I'm even building any traction. I am giving the most attention to Instagram. It's my, that's my best thing going right now. It's not that much. but uh, And then but- the same thing with... Uh, Twitter, I have an automatic uh, bot that's automatically posting for me. Same to, type of thing, yeah. Same type of thing to Twitter. Um, so, so you're getting the same content from each thing. It's not a good strategy, but it's like I'm at least having some activity on these on these platforms, or I might be able to get stumbled upon, or reshared by the right person. Who knows? But, and sometimes it's hard to tell. So if you do get someone that reaches out to you for a job, like emails you, you don't maybe they don't tell you where they found your work, so you don't really yeah. know which one's more successful. I think, in my opinion, Instagram is probably the most effective 
for artists because it's the most visual one. Yeah. Whereas Facebook and Twitter are kind of more focused on words. I wonder if you've experienced the same thing. Um, I feel like more people are using my Instagram as if it's my portfolio website. Yes. And when I wanted to ask you what, how you felt about that, uh, um, so I do have a portfolio website. And I think it's important to have a, a curated yeah, portfolio website. And then I'm using Instagram more as, yeah, I'll, I'll post a lot of that stuff too. So a lot of times different stuff than what I'll post to my portfolio site and some background behind the curtain and process stuff I think is important to, to show on Instagram. Um, but yeah, are you, are you seeing people showing off your Instagram instead of your portfolio website? Yeah, I think... It's easier these days. It's easier because how often do you update your actual website? Yeah. Versus how often are you updating your Instagram? Monthly, if you're lucky, yeah. Versus, yeah. Daily. And so if you. Five times a week or something. That's how I feel. If you want to see an artist's like recent work and what they're doing now, go to their Instagram or their social media. Like their website is, I update mine like every six months, maybe. Yeah. And so, which is probably not great. But then you, uh, like, on my Instagram, I have a link to my website. Mm-hmm. And so, and then from there, you can link to your Etsy store or your YouTube channel, whatever you have. Um, so it's important to have a website because that's where you're like springboarding people to your other channels of income or, or what, you know, mm-hmm. of network. So it's, you, you can't just, oh, now that I'm, I actually, maybe you could just have an Instagram and not have a portfolio site, but I don't think you could have the opposite where you just have a website and no yeah, that's what I had before for a very long time, and I was not seeing the traction. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's probably smart to have both. Yes, um, but and and because people like like to learn about the artists that they like, so on Instagram, well, showing an Instagram page isn't professional enough to get a job. Sometimes, sometimes I have got work through it though. Oh yeah, me too. But like, if you're if you're applying for a gig or a job, you can't. It's not very professional. Right. To be like, check out my Instagram. Right, you have to have a website if you're if you're a professional artist. You have to have a professional website for sure. And that might change in the future, but yeah, you never know. Yeah, and maybe they'll they'll be they'll get like a new social media that will be invented that will be really more like everyone has a, their own web actual website. Yeah, I think the one frustration that most people, most businesses or artists have with Instagram is that you can't link, like you can use Linktree, like yeah. And, and link to multiple sources by using like a third party's um, a- app or whatever, but like they don't allow you to really, unless you pay, you know, you can do an ad where you can link to your, your products or whatever, but it's kind of frustrating like that you can only put that one link in your profile. Can't and, you put links in your story? Now, if you're over 10,000 10, followers, you can swipe be, up. I think. Well, I haven't figured it out. I think you have to be a business Instagram to, to do that. Huh. Unless you can show me after the podcast. I haven't figured out how I wanted to do it, but I couldn't figure out how. Yeah, there's three categories now, I think. There's personal, there's creator, and business. Oh. Isn't there's now a creator category. Mine is just a personal one. Uh, I, so we talked, we talked before about Instagram off, off record. <laughs> um want to talk a little bit about what you thought between personal and business personal and bi- i i don't know how 
accurate what I know is, but I've heard that you're going to get more natural traction as a personal account. And once I've heard people like had personal accounts and then they switched over to business so that they could get access to those other features, like being able to link in their stories and, 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 and insights and analytics. And stuff. Right. right. And you get analytics insights and that type of thing. And they switched over and then they saw their um, likes and their comments go down. And because Instagram isn't showing it to all of their followers anymore, their, their posts. Because now you're a business and now you can afford to pay for this. That's it. Right. So you're, you're, what's the word I'm looking for? Your view. I can't, I can't think of the word anyway, but like you're not being seen as much. Yeah. And so they want you to pay for it. So if you stay a personal account, you don't get the analytics. You, maybe you can't link to in your stories, but you're getting in front of more people. So that's what's a little different now with a creator account because there's this, this category um, for artists, yeah. I think in particular, uh, you do have access to analytics. And it's, it's, I, think, I think you're not getting as much. I forget what's different between the curator, a creator and the business account now. But I do get insights. I can see insights to the people who are liking and checking out my stuff. So you've done the you're the creator account now? Yeah. How long ago did that start? Because that's not even something I, think, I was aware of. I think it was very recent. I might even be in beta stages when I started. But So you'll have to let me know, maybe let us all know, like in a few months, how what differences you've seen, if you've seen a difference in your interaction. Yeah, I can't tell yet. So I don't know if there's actually a difference yet. Okay. But. Well, that'll be interesting to know, like if you've noticed like a drop-off or an increase mm-hmm. in... in um, likes and engagement right but yeah so i, I but don't it does know. say now that I, I have a little tag under my name that says artist i don't think i had that before hmm. getting verified is like impossible oh i've never tried to get verified <laughs> yeah so verified verification is very hard um and because you can so it says you can anybody can apply for being verified all you've got to do is in the settings, there's like a spot, like apply for verification, and they just ask you to like take a photograph of your driver's license, and and basically you just have to be like a public, some type of a public person, or like your your face is more more your money maker rather than your art. Is that I, the well, difference? Because there are artists that are are lots of artists that have a blue check mark, so I don't know how they manage to get it. I've applied a few times, but. What I've heard that the main issue is, is that there is no fake Lewis Rosignal Instagram accounts. So in that, in that case, a lot of times they don't think it's worth making you verified because there's no, it's not like people are going to the wrong one and thinking it's you. So it, it's more for people that are having, um, you know, like Howard Stern, and maybe we'll have like 20 different Howard Stern fake Instagrams. So if he joins Instagram, they want him. He wants it to be a blue check mark so people know this is the official one. Hmm. But if there's no competition, nobody's pretending to be you. So I, what I have to do is make a bunch of fake accounts of me, and then they'll <laughs> verify me. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like I thought, oh, I have enough followers that they probably will verify me, but it hasn't worked yet. So hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. And all you're supposed to do, like I said, is just send a your picture of your driver's license to prove that it's you, right. your account. 
Yeah, I don't post many pictures of myself on my art page. Well, I don't either. I mean, you know that. You've seen my pages. Do you think you should? Or is it more? Is that more of a, a stories thing? I think stories, Instagram TV, that type of thing is. But occasionally people do like to see behind the scenes. What, what are the unwritten rules of Instagram? <laughs> yeah, I think you, I, like, I like the idea of just having my page be as uniform as possible. So I don't like to have a random photo of my face in the middle of all yeah. my art. One, if you're an artist, make it only about art. I don't care if you're doing having photos of yourself in it, but it better be art related. I know to your practice. Like I don't, I don't want to see your food. I don't want to see your kids. I have a different account what for that shit. What about stories in the stories? What do you think? Stories again, if it's art related. So you don't even fine. like it because I've sometimes put personal stuff in my stories that, but, and I think that's. Personally, I think that's okay because it's something that goes away after 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I can see your point. Like you don't. Because I, ha- I have a personal one. Yeah. And is it, I'm not sure if it's public. I probably should make it private. Well, I don't really give a shit. It doesn't really matter. I have a. I don't have a personal one, so it's like if I ever have something personal, that's the only option. But you know, I don't need to post personal yeah. things. It's not that big a deal. I, th- I think, I think it should be separated. Because it's like if you're treating yourself as a business, are you gonna put personal stuff on your business page? No, you're Probably right. Not. You're right. I think you're right. But at the same time, people with artists, I do think people do like to know who they are as people. Yes. In some ways, so you do. I have agree. To, I agree. I, I guess you don't want like you still need to have a personality and a. So it's a balance. It's just a balance. But like, if you're maybe you're out and about getting a coffee, but you have your sketchbook and you're sketchbooking, like, and you just checking in cool yes yeah. you you brought back the relation you could you you're, can you're almost a, link anything to art you're at an way. art museum right yeah. or uh you're having a barbecue for our, all your clients yep that's that makes sense yeah there's different ways you can to link things to art but yeah i think keep link it, it as back professional as, as yeah. possible i think this has been a pretty good discussion yeah. about um networking and the, the couple different ways you can go at it and maybe we can further this discussion and expand on things more in in a later episode but um anyway thanks for joining us today guys Uh, have a great day yeah thank you take care